Pharisee, I preach the gospel I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals You're not reformed, so that's a risk I believe the five points like an asterisk I repent, but you're in sin still I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill Yo soy mejor well, Here we go no and welcome to another episode of SolarCast Your boy Pastor Chris and Anderson and with my man Jimmy De Los Santos How you doing Pastor Chris? And Pastor Henry Knox Hey hey, what's going on people? What's going on Pastor Chris? Uh, not much brothers, how you guys doing today? Doing good, got some rest man We didn't, uh, we didn't record anything last week so I slept through <laughs> you, been, you slept through since last Saturday. You've been I'm sleeping just, all week, brother. I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you what, it's, it's it's strange when we don't get together on a Saturday and record. But uh, the subject that we're going to tackle today is, was was kind of hefty, and uh, I think that's why the people got a break from us last week. But we're yeah. back. We're back. You know, guys like us that like to talk, people can use a break from us every once in a while. At least that's what my wife says. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think, see, that's the thing. I get I get told a lot that uh, that I talk a lot. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I restrain myself more than, I, more than you know. More than you guys understand. And <laughs> really? I, I restrain myself. And I, 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 told, I told a friend of mine a while back, I was asked to speak to a, a soccer team. The church I was attending at the time had a high school right across the street. And the, the soccer team was there, and they asked me to come over. They were going to have this little thing for the soccer team. If I could speak to them, but but limit it to seven minutes. And I was told, can you do that? <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, I, I can do seven minutes. And my friend was like, are you sure? Because like, you talk a lot. So, so let me guess, you, uh, you uh, had to repent. After you <laughs> left the, the program, no, 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 no. I, I, I made the seven minutes. I, I did the seven minutes. And my friend was surprised. He came to me and he said, "Hey, uh, wow, you did it. You, you kept it under seven minutes." And I, this is what I told him. This is what I, this is what I said. And I think this is important, right? Take it how you want to. I looked at him and I said, "See, it's not the amount that I talk. It's, it's the impact of that talk." That lingers with you makes it feel like it's longer. Oh, okay. That's what it is. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm gonna bring that down. I'm just I'm joking around. But you know what? I, I I do think that if we can provoke some thought, that makes people think it's longer than what it is, right? And I know, Pastor Chris, you've always wanted to make the the podcast thirty minutes. I just keep telling you, I, I just don't see how we can do that with as much as we've got to say. See, guys, but if we do thirty minutes, maybe we could go two episodes a week. Like Doc and Devo. Oh, don't bring those guys into it. <laughs> <laughs> those those guys are good though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you guys got on the big game? So I, when this when this episode drops, we would have known the winner. Yeah. So go ahead and uh, you know make your predictions. Let yeah, I like just that. want yeah yeah I just want Tom Brady to win so I can make it so, I, so everybody can be upset because I'm not I'm not even watching football. I, 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 somebody mentioned to me the Super Bowl was coming this week. I'm like. What? Like I had no idea. I'm I'm totally oblivious. I've I've sort of given up on football. Ever since sports got got all political and everything, I've I've truly just given up on like most sports anyway. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that. Yeah, but I just want to see Tom Brady wins because I think that he needs to retire. So if he wins, like I mean, what else does he have to really prove? I just want to see everybody be upset because I yeah. can't watch football right now. I I think there's going to be something special about. The, I mean, what Super Bowl have you ever seen that was limited in the crowd? I think it's going to be something to see that you're not going to have this big major. I don't know. Are they going to let people in? Or There's going to be, be people like, there. I think it's going to be like 25% full or something like that. 25%? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's going to be the most empty Super Bowl we've seen in our right. lifetime anyway. Right. I mean, because this is a major event and I, I I don't miss the Super Bowl. I enjoy I enjoy the festivity of it and the and the uh, going and watching. But I, I do have I do have the Tampa Bay up there. Oh, right? do I, I, uh-huh. I do. I do believe that uh, Tom Brady will pull this one out. Here's the thing. You can't you can't not give Patrick Mahomes credit. Right. Yeah, but you're talking about the greatest of all time. You're talking about Tom Brady, who who came to Tampa Bay and just said, "Hey, I ain't, I'm not done here, right? I'm not I'm not done with my career. I'm gonna go down and make another team go all the way." I, I just see him taking taking the championship. Yeah, I usually I usually do, I don't when I don't have a dog in the fight, which I haven't had a dog in the fight for what 25 years since being a <laughs> Cowboy fan. <laughs> I usually go by you know I, I let my hate drive who I, who I want to root for. So like if I really don't like somebody, I just root for the other one. Yeah. So like it, I, I never really liked Tom Brady. You know what I mean? So I was always rooting against him. However, I dislike Bill Belichick more than Tom Brady. So I want Tom Brady to get a ring just so he can rub it in Bill Belichick's face. And say, <laughs> oh, that's that's I, you know, <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it. You could say that same thing happened in our you know in the recent presidential election. People right. voted out of their hate more than they right. did uh, the policy. <laughs> right, right. And this That's is true. I'm, I, I didn't mean to go there, guys. Let the hate we, flow through you, and your <laughs> transition to the dark side will be complete. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But, but at the same time, you know, uh, if Kansas City wins, I can always say, "Well, Kansas City was an original Dallas team, so I was going for them." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you know I, that? I, I, I do. They were the Dallas Texans. Right. right, right. I, I got my history down on the football thing, man. How they went over there. Weren't the Tennessee Titans once the Houston Oilers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now uh, yeah. the, the Texans are a brand new team. So, so are you saying that team names aren't always what, they're, what they seem to be? They're not. Are you? Are, I'm stretching here, brother. I'm stretching are, here. Are sometimes, sometimes things aren't oh, no, always what they oh, seem no, to be. You're, yeah. you're right. You're right. Sometimes the, the, the moniker will be put on. Like, like sometimes you hear people that say that they're Christians. Right, right. And you're right. like, yeah, I don't see any fruit. Right. I used to tell my daughters this one thing. How do you know it's an apple tree? It's got apples on it. Mm, right. right. That's how you know it's an apple tree. The Christian should have fruit. Right. Right. And if yeah. there's no fruit. Anyway, segue. It, yeah, just yeah, just <laughs> like an oiler should be reserved to a, a city that, that produces oil, right? It exactly. should match it should match the name, right? Right. It a should Christian should match the name, right? You should be a follower of Christ indeed. So that's that leads to our second <laughs> man. That was a long way to go to get there. <laughs> but, but I think we got there. <laughs> that leads to our segue this this uh, morning or this afternoon or this evening, whenever you're listening to this. But we're gonna uh, jump off a, a new episode today talking about Mormonism. Right, so we uh, we kicked off uh, a series uh, talking about different cults, different religions. How many have we done, guys? Have we just done Jehovah's Witness? Just Jehovah's Witness. Just yeah. okay. Yeah, so this is just so, yeah. back, back into our cults series. Cool, cool. So yeah, we're back into it, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Mormons, Mormonism, uh, what that's all about. I'm sure you guys have seen them out and about. Probably maybe tried to uh, witness to you or evangelize to you, or maybe you've uh, kind of considered them, you know, brothers in Christ. We want to kind of lay all that out and, and see what that's all about. So Jimmy, like we always do what, what are what are mormons what is mormonism where does this all come from mormons the, the word mormons is actually a not a moniker that they like it's not a it's not a, a name that they like they're the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints according to what they what they believe um when i say that it's because they're going back to the apostolic age and saying uh, those were the saints at that time we're the latter-day saints uh, and so they're trying to restore back to an apostolic thing uh, that happened back then, or that's what they believe that they're doing because 
because of the way that they were created. So the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, today is uh, mostly, uh, you know, centered in Utah, right, but started in Palmyra, New York, um, by Joseph Smith, Jr. Uh, the, the thing about the, the Mormons or the Mormon Church or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that they believe that they're, they're the fastest growing religion in the world. Uh, some people would, would not call them a cult, uh, but we believe that if you preach a different gospel, um, you would not be in, in the body of Christ, so that would make you a cult. Um, and they're one of the major ones around the world. They've got, at this point, uh, according to 2019 statistics, 16.5 million members worldwide. And so that's a, that's a pretty big reach. And, and there's some pretty prominent Mormons that, that we've known, Mitt Romney being one of them that uh, ran for president not long ago. Uh, so he's a, he's a big politician who has Mormon on him. And a lot of people, when he was being touted as the next president, was being shown as how moral he was, how how good of a Mormon he was. And, and, and the religion was really being propped up as something special at that time. And at that time, there were there were there were times that um, people would look at this and say, they're just Christians, just like you're a Christian. And so this is this is a. This is who that church is. That church is outside the body of Christ, and they have different beliefs. Uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna tackle some of those. But it is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Uh, simple simple thing that I can give to you. But we can go down the history of how they got started if you want. Uh, next, I mean, it's up to you wh where you want to go, Pastor Chris. What do you yeah, no, that's good. Uh, Pastor, you got anything to add to that? That kind of concise definition there. You know, kind of, kind of before we, you know, began the show, it, uh, you know, I've, I've had very little interaction with, uh, with anybody, you know, in the area of Mormonism. I think I went. Um, <laughs> I was going to say one time at camp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at, band, at band camp. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, no. But when, when, when we went, uh, when I used to go to the boys and girls club, we had different programs. We would play baseball. We would uh, do like football and stuff like that against different groups. And uh, I always wondered about these guys, you know, because I'm in the middle of Oak Cliff. And these guys would come, you know, it was these, <laughs> these, these really, really tall white guys. And, uh, and like their parents, you know, of, you know, their dads or wh whoever they were, the coaches or whatever, they would always wear these black ties with the pocket protector. Like it was like a spitting image of like what a, what a, <laughs> what a Mormon evangelist was. I used to always wonder about those dudes. Um, and they used to say, say things that sounded like a Christian, but of course I was younger. I was like maybe 10, 11 years old, but they would say things that sounded sort of like a Christian would actually talk about. They were just weird. Right. And so I've never really got into sort of the deep theological points of what they believed, you know, and we'll discuss it in a minute, but like, it's just, it's, it's just so crazy to me that, that almost every single cultic religion that we've discussed or that we're going to discuss and talk about starts from a place of somebody received a personal, you know, you know, a, a image or direct revelation from God. Right. And therefore everything that was done, done in, in, in the history of the church is wrong now. Like, right. it's just like, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, when you, when you think about this stuff, does, does any red flags ever go off in people's minds or is it strictly based upon, what people want to believe. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of inclined to believe the latter. And where you're going with that, Pastor Henry, you're exactly correct. When we look at this religion, it hasn't been around a long time. You know, it's like, what's 200 years old? Yeah. Uh, you know, so and, and it started by, or is founded by uh, Joseph Smith, which, you know, Jimmy, you might have some more information on that, but, you know, it started just trying to 
reclaim the church. Joseph Smith thinking or believing that, you know, the church was headed in the wrong direction and he had this mission from God to reclaim the church or restore the church. And again, it all happened uh, with a personal visit from God, as he says, anyway, a personal visit from God uh, to kind of reject all church history, to reject creeds. Creeds, I believe, uh, according to Joseph Smith, were an abomination. And he set out to restore true Christianity, as he put it. He claimed that, you know, his church is the only true church on earth. But mm -hmm. Jimmy, let's talk about Joseph Smith a little bit. What do you got yeah. on this guy? Joseph Smith Jr. was born uh, December 23rd, 1805 in uh, Sharon, Vermont. His family moved to Palmyra, New York when he was 11 years old. At that, at that point, when he was 14 years old, he was struggling with all the denominations that were out there, right? Like, you know, he was struggling to, f which one do I follow? Which one do I go after? I've heard this, I've heard this issue before. I've heard this. And when you go on the streets and evangelize, there will be people that will tell you, I just don't know, you know, there's so many Christian denominations. So he was puzzled by this. And, and uh, according to James 1.5, he, according to the story, he, he read James 1.5 that says, if you, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. And so he believed, I, if I ask God, he'll just reveal to me what I need to know. So he, he, says, he says that he prayed that prayer and, you know, asked him to give him wisdom, show him the direction. He went out to the forest. He kneeled down. And uh, according to what he said, at 14 years old, had a vision of two personages, um, one that said, this is my son. Of course, we've heard that before, right? Listen to him, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that personage told him that all the religions out there that had the name Christian were wrong, right? That had gotten it wrong uh, since the apostles had, had gone their way. Now they've all gone astray. And now uh, after, that, after that initial vision, uh, he was given by God this direction that you were chosen to restore the true church, and so that's that's what we, we we get from there. There there's a lot of other different things about Joseph Smith we could talk about, but he had uh, he wrote the Pearl of Great Price. He wrote a lot of a lot of the stuff. He was the first president of the LDS, so he started this church in Palmyra, New York. And in the eighteen in the mid eighteen hundreds, um, they they there was a big story about how they moved west uh, to the Utah territory. Uh, but Joseph Smith started starting them out. Uh, with their beliefs. He, he wrote a lot of their, he wrote the Pearl of Great Price. Uh, he wrote some of their literature, some of their founding beliefs. And so he was, he was big in just founding the church and uh, leading a lot of people astray. Because mm -hmm. of Joseph Smith Jr., 16.5 million people think that they are in the true church of Jesus Christ uh, when they're not. Now, here's one thing I want to say about all that I've just given you, because this is what we believe as, as, as Christians, that God is sovereign, God is in control. There's not, as, as R.C. Sproul puts it, one rogue molecule out there. There isn't, right? And so that being the case, when I think of Joseph Smith Jr. and his vision that said all the religions had gotten it wrong, would, would have to mean that God is not sovereign. He's not in control. Uh, and that people could, could make, you know, make their own way about these things. When the Bible teaches us that God devises man's plans, God sets uh, people's steps in order. And so um, when I look at that, I, initially off the, right off the bat, uh, when I read about this history, I, I go and I look, well, then God made a mistake. God couldn't control the way these things were going or God's uh, not in control. This is in general, when I start reading about this history, um, I start to think what's going on. Well, I look at some of the other stuff with Joseph Smith and I say, here, here's, here's, a, here's a funny thing. And I, I, I add this only to, to, to show you how much, for lack of a better word, of a con man 
a, a, a man like Joseph Smith can be. He 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 married the his wife, his first wife he married. He eloped with her. And the reason that they eloped is because, uh, and this is from a different biography other than his own autobiography, right? Uh, he, he states that his, father, his father-in-law didn't approve because of the visions that he had had and the things that he was saying. But another biographer says the real reason is that he was this uh, uh, treasure hunter <laughs> right, <laughs> that, was yeah. using, that was using some kind of magic method to try to find treasure out there. And he would go digging around in the forest to, find, to try to find the treasure. And so that's, that's interesting, uh, you know, to see what kind of kind man he was. To further that, he, he had a vision of the angel Moroni who showed him where the, the golden plates were in the mm. forest that had the Egyptian uh, language, the old Egyptian language that magically Joseph Smith could translate into the Book of Mormon. That's where we <laughs> get the Book of Mormon. See, this is how that supernatural, this is, he comes in with these golden yeah. plates, he's got this big story to tell, and he comes out with this Book of Mormon, which is a, uh, the subtext or the subtitle for that book is Another Testament of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah, and, it, and it's one of those things that you know that we kind of chuckle at this, but but we do not want to make light of the fact that you know whether he was a con man and he did it sort of by natural means, or whether there was a actual supernatural um, you know encounter with some sort of entity or being or fallen angel or whatever. We don't want to remove both those possibilities because I think scripture speaks to that. You know, of course, you know, the classic scripture, Galatians 1 and 8, where Paul warns the church about other people preaching other gospels, other forms of the cross. He says, um, uh, if, if, uh, Galatians 1 and 8 says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be anathema accursed yeah. right yeah. Yeah. and so and so you know we have to take hold to the apostolic warning in this text of scripture and also put on the whole armor of god because you know we could encounter a supernatural being that could give us some knowledge and we can be enticed by that knowledge right um you know you know satan the satan's plan has been this same plan he's just repackaged it in different ages and that, I mean, it's the same classic lie just told over and over again in different circumstances. It's the same encounters. When you look at Muhammad, when you look at sort of the founders of Jehovah Witnesses, when you look at um, certain he Hebrew Israelite sects, yeah. they all have these supernatural encounters, or rather they say they did, and they have this secret knowledge. Well, Jesus says there's nothing that has been revealed as secret. And we know it to be true because we have God's inscripturated word. This is why we hold so closely to the doctrine of sola scriptura. Yeah. Because, you know, we need to know that the Bible is the definite word of God, not these, you know, and this is where we, we come, you know, crosshairs with the charismatic movement. Is yeah. they're always seeking for, you know, signs and visions and voices or whatever outside of scripture. And this is the danger that that can lead to. Let me just go to a scripture. First uh, Corinthians 14, 37, that the word of God originate with you. Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone considered himself a prophet or spiritual person, let him acknowledge that what I am writing you is in the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, he himself will be ignored. 
So here's Paul saying that, you know, you, you think you're, you're a prophet, you think you're spiritual, you think God is speaking to you. Well, let me let, let everyone that's thinking this acknowledge that the prophets are subject to the prophets and I am God's messenger. I am God's apostle. I am the one God is speaking to and I'm the one who he has commanded to write these things down. And if, and if you're saying something that contradicts that, then you should be ignored. Uh, and that's basically what Paul's saying. But the problem is, is that we're, we're so enticed by, by new revelation and uh, new things. And we're always seeking something outside of the word of God. And then when somebody like Joseph Smith or whoever comes to us with this new way or new knowledge, or, you know, it's, it's, it's repackaged Gnosticism, right? Mm -hmm. That they have some, some kind of insight to something that we don't have. When anybody comes to us like that, we get intrigued. And I think that's just the work of our flesh. I just want to add this to, to what y'all are saying, because this is so important. One of the things Pastor Henry touched on is, is Mus uh, the Muslims and how Muhammad started that religion. In the same way, yep. he had a vision, too. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a vision in a cave, just like, and it's so funny how they, how they both kind of mirror each other. Um, and I agree with you, Pastor Henry. I, I believe that evil spirits can entice a man to believe that he has the right way. And Muhammad might might just have believed everything that he said, but mm. uh, in 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 some of the the history of both of these men, you'll see flaws that other people wanted to deny. Right, right. And so this is this is one of the things that gets me about um, those so called Christian sects that have leaders like Joseph Smith Jr. and Ma uh, the Muslims that have Muhammad. They don't look at the man and the fruit that he bears, right? He had this big vision, and now they have this world religion, and they don't see how it's astray from the actual word of God. And to, and to Chris, Pastor Chris's point, uh, that's still happening today with a lot of people that don't stay with Sola Scriptura. They'll, they'll, they're, they're still seeking a sign. They're still seeking right. a word mm -hmm. from God outside of the word that he's already given us. Right. And, and this is the same thing Joseph Smith did. We need another word. So what do we have now? The Book of Mormon. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It speaks to people not trusting the scripture, not thinking scripture is sufficient. But we know and we, we trust that scripture is sufficient. It is uh, it is profitable for all godliness uh, for the man of God to reprove and correct. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the, this text. So they they will they have uh, outside uh, from what I believe they have outside of the Bible. They, they do believe in the Bible as far as what I understand, Jimmy, as far as it's translated correctly. Right. And, and you know what? I, I don't. I, I don't have a problem with that because we do too. When we talk about inerrancy, uh, we talk about the inerrancy in its original manuscripts, not the inerrancy of you know the the translated text. So we, yeah, yeah, we understand that uh, as far as uh, you know it's translated correctly. So that's what they say. They believe that the, it, the Bible is divinely inspired. But not only that, they have other uh, extra uh, you know sources that they consider uh, divinely inspired too. One is mm -hmm. like we kind of touched on the Book of Mormon. Uh, another is the Doctrine and Covenants, and and the uh, the other is the Pearl of Great Price. Yeah, right. the doctrine of covenants is just a collection of modern revelations uh, about the Church of Jesus Christ. The pearl of great price is it's considered by the Mormons to clarify certain doctrines and certain teachings of the Bible. But all that to say is that all of these texts, according to them, are inspired. But the one that people mostly know of is the Book of Mormon. Jimmy, what do we what do we know about that? Well, this is where we have those golden plates, right? <laughs> that, that he that he supposedly found for us, and uh, the angel Moroni led him to those. The angel Moroni's father, and we're going to get into some of how that all works, uh, because guys, you know that uh, originally we were spirit spirit babies out at another planet, 
where we were <laughs> born as spirit babies before we became flesh. And so, and just in case people <laughs> sort of clip these things on YouTube, like <laughs> I just want to say, if you're coming in the middle of this show, we do not believe this stuff. We are discussing <laughs> right, folks right, that do right. believe this stuff. Yeah, so right. go ahead, Jeremy. I, okay, so. <laughs> So his father, the angel Moroni's father, is the one that actually wrote the Book of Mormon. Uh, his name was Mormon, right? And so now uh, he hid those. And so the son, Moroni, is the one that led Joseph Smith to those plates so that he could print out the Book of Mormon. And uh, in, in the Book of Mormon, uh, you have the, the story of how – so it, there's, there's three – Oh, and I might I might miss this. Did I write these down? There's three uh, different like tribes that came from the Tower of Babel, mm. right? And really, we're talking about revelation that happened in North America, right? And so this is this is one of those things. How, when people ask the question, "Well, how did the Indians get saved?" right? The Book of Mormon supposedly answers that question by giving you the history of how uh, it was revealed to them in North America. Right. And so <laughs> this is this is it's interesting. At the same time, it's like, what? And um, so the, the Book of Mormon was founded out of gold plates, according to Joseph Smith. And he was the only one that could translate those. And then he also had people to come in and, and verify that he was actually translating correctly when he, he had had no uh, training in how to translate Egyptian Hebrew into this into english right uh, right and so that's that's the book of mormon it is their primary right book another testament of of jesus christ and uh you've got to his latter-day saints yeah to his latter-day saints exactly mm. and if you if you look at uh some of the scripture that's in there you'll find that it contradicts the scripture that we believe to be true right the the thing that gets me about about the Book of Mormon as opposed to our Bible is that if you know the history of our Bible, it was over 1,600 years, 40 different authors, right? Uh, all divinely inspired by God, all with one, one main theme, and that is Jesus Christ, right? Well, the Book of Mormon was, wasn't done by different authors. It was there in the forest buried by a spirit entity or whatever so that joseph smith could find it it's you know i, I guess some people want to get supernatural I, I would say this is a this is goes back to the same thing that i remember pastor chris saying uh with the basic reading of the text when you start to go supernatural look at how supernatural this was i start to say wait a minute there's evil spirits at work right now and that's that's what i believe that happened with the book of mormon um if joseph smith was really shown this by the angel moroni i would uh, you know i have my doubts on that but if it if it's true then i would i would dare to say that it was it was an evil spirit right and i, I i'm just amazed is that when you sort of st say this stuff out loud and you sort of rehearse it in your mind right and that uh, like it shows the beauty of god's intelligence right god chose by natural and supernatural means to accomplish his will through the word to where any natural mean argument is airtight and any supernatural mean argument is airtight. It wasn't concealed. It wasn't done by just one author. So nobody could be, uh, so nobody could lay an accusation to, to God's feet, even though God could, God could have, you know, 
left the Bible in the middle of Jerusalem <laughs> in, 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 the, in the Ark of the Covenant if he wanted to, right? And right. he could have gave us the full revelation in, in, in one day, in one minute. But he chose to do it the way he chose, chose to do it for obvious reasons. Because when you hear this stuff, you know, I mean, obviously we are definitely saved and, you know, sort of we believe in scripture, but, um, but it just sounds fanciful. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it just sounds very, very fanciful. But, um, but one, one thing that I had an I- issue with that doesn't come from the Book of Mormon uh, uh, directly, but it's a common saying that they say, and we may get into it a little bit later, but it says, as man now is, God once was, as God now is, man may be. Right. I mean, when you when you read that, this was from from a uh, sermon expert uh, a excerpt in 1971 by the church by the by, by the LDS church president Lorenzo Snow. Um, but but when you hear that, that 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 you know you know kind of kind of what what Jimmy talked about earlier. That's the original lie of Satan, and every single religion. Almost every single religion is trying to get you to a point to where you can become God or you can be a God. And, you know, that in and of itself is blasphemy. Yeah, I had that quote from Lorenzo Snow also, uh, because it's going to go to something that we're going to see here in a minute. But when we talk about uh, their eschatology, which is something we're going to talk about here probably at the end. Mm. uh, But it does go to that place, uh, that original lie that was told by Satan. You won't die. You'll be like God. Mm. And so this is the same lie that was, that, that's that been propped up uh, for, for all eternity, for, for our eternity since, we, since the world began. Satan has been given that lie, and it's, it's one that was given to the, to the Latter-day Saints. Yeah, and the interesting thing, too, about the Book of Mormon is the way it's written. I mean, it's written just like the Old Testament. You know, it's, it's got all the, you know, authoritative language, you know what I mean, that it, that it tries to use to try to, you know, uh, make you think that it's coming from God. And that's the thing with these, with these, you know, people that claim, you know, extra biblical revelation is that when God speaks, his word is authoritative. So it is the word of God. So if you're saying that God is telling people something, then, then that's no different than, than scripture. You know, charismatics like to kind of make a distinction there, like, oh, God can speak to me in an authoritative way, but it's not scripture. Well, what is scripture? I mean, that's what scripture is. It's the word of God. And, you know, and that's the problem. You look at someone like Sarah Young, who wrote that Jesus calling, you know, she does the same thing. And if you, if you ever kind of peeked at some of her writings, it's, it's kind of done in a way where like, you know, this is a continuation of God's word. Oh, but don't hold me to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, either it is or it isn't. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's God's word or it's not. So that's why you got to be careful with, with a lot of these extra biblical revelations. But let's talk about doctrine, guys. What, you know, what, what do the Mormons believe? Because I, I feel that there's probably someone out there saying, well, isn't Mormonism just a different, you know, maybe denomination? I mean, you know, you guys are Baptists. You know, there's other Presbyterians. Uh, you know, isn't Mormonism just, uh, you know, one of many denominations? I mean, they say, I mean, they say Jesus Christ. They say they're the church of Jesus Christ. Don't they believe in Jesus too? You know, why Why do we have such an issue with them? And I think the issue comes down to doctrine. So let's talk about that. You know, what What do the Mormons believe when it comes to, to God? Let's start there. Let me start by saying this, that what we believe about God, and even in the Book of Mormon, you'll find some contradictions with their own doctrines today, because today their uh, their governing authority is is their witnesses, their, their presidents, whoever's president really is like the Pope to them. Yeah. So like he, he'll, if he changes something, he can change it. So some of their, some of their doctrines in the book of Mormon don't flesh out in their faith. 
And so it's, it's weird. But I would say this. When it comes to God, he was once a man like we are, right? In their belief, they believe that he's not eternal, that he had a beginning, right? And his beginning was on some distant planet, some other planet. God was once a man that through his obedience, through his faith in Mormonism or faith in this, in this belief, and then through his obedience, eventually became worthy enough to have his own planet and to be ruler of his own planet. And uh, this, this God, his name is Elohim, okay? Elohim, right? Uh, we've seen the name. We know the name is in, in the Bible, right? So they've given him that name, Elohim, in his own planet. He is able to, in his own place, he came to that planet as a spirit, but he has flesh like we do. And he's able to marry multiple wives, which is another thing that the Mormons are distinctive for or seen for. Yeah. And with those spirit wives, he's able to have a bunch of spirit children, mm. spirit babies. Uh, and we're uh, supposedly in the, in the beliefs of Mormonism. We are originally those spirit babies, but we come to earth to have our fleshly bodies. So that's the start. <laughs> I would just say, Here's the thing about that. That is a completely different God. That is not God the Father to us. Our, our, our God, our, our God is spirit, and those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Our God is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. There, there is nothing outside of him, right? He doesn't need anything. He, he's not a created one. He's not a created being. He is creator. And so there's a big distinction to be made between the God that they believe in and the God that we believe in, right? Well, I would say this, there's truth in our creator. There's truth in our God, right? There's, there's the, the possibility of falsehood with their God, right? And I think that's what you see through, throughout that. But that's just the start. I mean, we don't have enough time on this right. podcast <laughs> to flesh out all that they believe. But I think that big distinction right there, that he was once a man just like us, is big enough for us to say, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. And, and we look at Jimmy, kind of going with what you're saying about, the, you know, that you said about the presidents or whatever, who's ever in charge of, of Mormonism or the, the leader or at the time, kind of just kind of like the Pope. He can change and shift doctrines. Um, you know, Brigham Young was the second president and yeah. so-called prophet. Uh, he actually taught that Adam was God and Adam was the father of Jesus Christ. So he kind of uh, shifted a little bit from Joseph Smith. But even since then. Uh, Brigham Young's teachings about who God was have been abandoned and rejected. So you see there that that shifting doctrine. That's the difference between them and us is our doctrine doesn't shift. You know, the word of God stands mm, right. forever. Flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And speaking about the uh, everlasting God that we serve, let me just go to text. Psalms 90 verse 2, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So it was God who, who was there before the foundations of the earth. It was God who created earth earth, ex nihilio. It is God who created man out of the dust of the ground. So God is, is an everlasting God. He's not a created being. We are created being. We are creatures. He is the creator. And that is a you know, stark difference between what we believe about God and who the Mormons believe about God. Yeah. Take, for instance, you know, the reason why their doctrine shifts is because their God can, can shift. Because if God was once a man, then you start to think like, well, he's just like me. Right. And if he's just like me, then he's fallible like me. You know, he he may be sort of highly intelligent. He may be 
you know, on a power level that is beyond my power. But as God once was, I'll, I'm going to be that way one day. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to strive to be that way. And so if if something goes wrong in the earth or something or somebody makes a mistake or something evil happens, then you can truly blame it on God. But not in the sense that you can blame it on God, because God is is what well, he once was a man. So therefore he can make mistakes. Right. So, I mean, what if <laughs> like it, there's so many implications, as you said, it, it, it'll, it'll take way too much because look at the implications of salvation. Can right. God make a mistake by saving you? Mm. Can God make a mistake in your life? Like what, what about suffering? You're, like, so is some of your suffering in vain? Because God was once, once a man, he probably missed, you know, your, your, your suffering or, or something like that. It's, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, there's so many questions when you have a God that is able to be comprehended as a man is. Right. Why would you want to place your life in the hands of a God who's not sure? Right. Yeah. And a God who's not solid. Uh, it's just wild. Let's talk about because here's 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 where the rubber meets the road, right? Who is Jesus? You know mm. I mean? Because they say, you know, they say they're the 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 Church of Jesus Christ. You know, are they the Church of Jesus Christ? Do they, are are we are we serving the same Christ? Do we have the same Christ as Lord? Who is Jesus according to Mormonism? They're a Church of a Jesus Christ, <laughs> but not the Jesus Christ. So, I'm sorry, so, Jimmy. Go ahead. No, I'm just gonna say. So, according to Mormon beliefs, according to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Jesus Christ is the firstborn spirit baby of Elohim. His name in the Old Testament is Jehovah, right? And so uh, you see how <laughs> you see how we can get a little. This is not the same God that we serve, the Trinitarian God that we believe in. While they might that, while they might use the word Trinity because they believe in the Holy Spirit, yeah, not the same Holy Spirit that we do, right? But they've got a Jesus Christ. That was the first spirit baby. Guess who the second spirit baby was? Lucifer. So uh, they're they're brothers. They're they're half brothers. I believe that they come from different wives of of Elohim, uh, different different spirit wives, and uh, so they're both brothers. Now here's the thing: if that's the case, then we're all half brothers of Satan and half brothers of Jesus because mm. we have, uh, you know, we're we're spirit children too. So here's the here's the thing. Jesus in those in that um, in that in that in that way of thinking is not the creator of all things because again he was created himself right and all these things so the way we look at Jesus from our perspective from the scripture that we believe in is is the be all end all he is nothing was created outside of Jesus Christ and he upholds all things well that's not who he was now. I know we're going to talk about salvation here in just a minute, but I, I, I want to say this to them. When Jesus came to this earth, the only thing that he did when he went to the cross and was crucified was to atone for Adam's sin, not for the sins of his people. Right. And so that's that's a big distinction that we have to make. Jesus died on the cross as an atonement for Adam's sin, according to their beliefs. And so that is take that. And, and we're going to flesh that out a little bit more when we talk maybe about salvation, but I think it, it plays right into that. He isn't the the one that, that took your sins upon himself, right? He's the one who made it possible for you to try to work toward it, right? 
Yeah, and 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 this is this is what what I I really hate about a lot of false religions. Um, and I, I see stuff on social media. I've even seen certain photos where 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 they have an image of what they think is Jesus, and Jesus is arm wrestling Satan of what they think Satan looks like. His red guy with horns or whatever, and Jesus is arm wrestling Satan. And uh, I don't know if it was Paul Washer or somebody. <laughs> he said. Um, he says Satan trying to come up, come against Jesus is like a fly trying to break a piece of granite. Like, you know, it, like this religion puts Satan and Christ on equal footing, which is complete blasphemy, first and foremost. As, as Jimmy said, you know, Jesus is the creator of all. John 1, 1, right? Um, uh, Jesus is God. Jesus is God made flesh. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. That is beyond what Satan is. Satan is a created being. He was created uh, supernaturally by the means of, of, of God and the full counsel of God, but he is nowhere near. Satan is a creature like Jesus Christ is creator. That's a, that's a, that's a much, much different uh, category. And, and secondarily to, to your point, Jimmy, if, Satan is our brother, and just think about that. So all the scriptures where Satan is tempting Jesus or Satan has some machination to bring man down, um, you know, that that really pushes you towards a works-based righteousness because you can never overcome your, your supernatural DNA because you, you are cut from the same cloth as Satan. Which that that in of itself is is crazy, right? Right. Before we move away from Jesus, I want to add one one thing. So there's a big distinction to be made here, also. Um, in his bodily form, to to make his bodily form, Elohim is said to have had relations with Mary. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The, the Holy Spirit did not come upon her, and and she was, and she you know conceived a son. No, the the. <laughs> their belief is that the uh, that Elohim came and had relations with Mary, which is yeah. And just I, to, just <laughs> to, just so people don't think, because I I think sometimes when we when we make these outrageous claims about other religions, people think that we're making it up. But just to uh, you know show, I mean, if you want to go for yourself, that Jimmy, what you're talking about, I have the source on that. It's Mormon doctrine, page five forty seven. So it's these are, we're getting this stuff from their own sources. You know what I mean? So we're not trying to you know exactly. overemphasize some type of false religion here. This is all this stuff we're getting from their own doctrine. Yeah, and and I'll say uh, one thing to the to the to like a previous point. I guess you could say to their to their credit, uh, the church does deny the multiple marriages thing. And they do make a distinction and they do say that only Elohim or only one who has become Elohim has the right to multiple wives or has the right to do these things. They don't tell you how or why. They just say only they have the right. But the church practices it and they don't they don't practice any church discipline when it comes to men having multiple wives. Right. Um, right. So I just wanted to put that tidbit in there. But yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's let's talk about uh, you know their plan of salvation and how they're saved because this is another distinction we have. But before we go, just I just want to give a text on this Jesus. You know the, the way they believe in Jesus, the way we believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And in Matthew twenty four twenty three, you know a lot of people don't use this text uh, for this issue. But let me just kind of explain here. Matthew twenty four twenty three. At the time, if anyone says to you, "Look, here's the Christ," or "There he is," do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear will, will appear and perform great signs and wonders that would deceive even the the elect, if possible. 
possible. Uh, you know, I, and I know that that specifically is talking about, you know, uh, either whichever your eschatology is, either, either uh, you know, 8070 or, you know, the, the end of the earth. But I, I think that the theme to get out of that is that, look, there's always going to be people say, claiming a different Jesus. There's always going to be people claiming, look, this is the true Jesus. This is the true Christ. So we have to be careful, even not only with, you know, false prophets that come claiming Christ. We also have to be careful with false religions that claim a Christ and false uh, beliefs and false doctrines that claim a different Christ. If you're not serving the God who's been revealed to us in the scriptures, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who has been revealed to us in the scriptures, then you're chasing after another Christ. You're chasing after a false Christ. So this is why it's very key to, uh, again, to go back to the scriptures and read about who christ has revealed himself to be in his word not through any other doctrines or any other extra biblical revelations amen but, uh, but let's talk about salvation so jimmy if, if i'm uh if i'm embracing mormonism how can i make it into heaven how do i get saved you got to work for it brother <laughs> <laughs> listen listen i if you've ever noticed that the uh, at the very beginning of the podcast uh, Pastor Henry talked about those guys with the white shirts, those those guys running around with their bikes, with their ten speeds and stuff like that. This is this is one of the things you have to do, right? When you get to be about uh, 18, 19 years old, um, you dedicate yourself for two years to go out and evangelize in this way. You're separated from your family mm. for those two years, and this is a piece of it, right? This is a piece of it. This is you working and being obedient to to what they say. Now, uh, this is the only place that I would. I would dare go and 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 quote uh, anything from um, their scriptures. Let me let me read to you something out of the Book of Mormon. Uh, this is in Second Nephi twenty five twenty three. This is what it says: For we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. After all that we can do, hmm. right now, now I I I made that emphasis for a reason. The reason is this: is that that in the Mormon belief, it's that you have to adhere to their obedience. Now, again, remember what we said about their shifting wind of doctrine. So, depending on whatever president's there that says, "Here's how we're going to change things up." Now, believe this way, and you've got to work for it. This way. so they've got a certain set of, of of beliefs of things that you have to do to get there. It's works-based, just like every other religion out there that's outside of Christianity. Uh, one of the ways I like to explain, you know, the different religions in the world out to people on the streets is that every other religion is a do religion, while Christianity is a done religion. Um, Christianity is, is, is a religion where we, we know we're done for. There's nothing I could, I could do to work myself or, or way to, to, get, to get myself there. In the Mormon religion, you, you have to work for it to get there. But Here's the thing, and I, I got to touch a little bit on eschatology, which I think we'll talk about here in a few minutes, is, is this fact, right? If you are obedient to the nth degree and, and follow all their doctrines to the letter, you can make it to the, their top-notch heaven. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that in a minute and have the, uh, the possibility that you could have your own planet and rule as God, right? Now, see, this is, this is heaven. Salvation isn't just about... Uh, for them um, giving glory to God, salvation for them is about glory for me. Yeah. If if yeah. I can get there, I can be God, right? And so <laughs> this is this is a the whole salvation thing is is turned upside down. There's no um, they might not. I, I would say adherence to it might not even see this 
as 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 something, but those with the eye on the prize for that celestial uh, realm of heaven are the ones that are more susceptible to like I want it all, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and and not only that, but 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 when you talk about the assurance of salvation, the the assurance of salvation is taken away. Well, I mean, at, at least for the deep thinker, it's taken away once you think about your own sin, right? Um, e- even if you think about your own sin, at, you know, when you're comparing your sin against a God who was created or a God who once was a man, think about your own sin. How is salvation guaranteed? What assurance do I have because I go around evangelizing, because I wore a certain uh, uh, attire, because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm fallible, right? I could I could mess my white shirt up one day by leaving the iron on it too too long, and now I got a messed up shirt. Is is that taking points off of me going to heaven or the third heaven or whatever? Um, I could, <laughs> um, I I could have come to the Mormon religion whenever I'm 32 instead of 19, right? I didn't grow up in the Mormon religion. Uh, the religion. So does that set me back? Do I got to do extra work? Like. How does it work? Again, like when you think about that and you ponder your actual sin before a holy and righteous God, there is no assurance. Like, I mean, and and I haven't been able to find it yet in the Book of Mormon or not. How are you assured? Because it almost seems like they're they're, like you try to combine scripture. So, you know, in Ephesians six, where it talks about putting on 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 the whole armor of God. And after you have done all you can, then stand firm. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like he's trying to use that, but he's using amalgamation of like multiple different scriptures, but he's making it because it has to be a works based righteousness. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, again, I mean, there's no assurance of salvation. And also, I think it flies in the face of things that we read, even in uh, the book of Psalms. When you think about the, the scripture that says that, uh, you know, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the, in the house of my God than to be. It's it's this humble attitude that a Christian will have. Mm. Say just any part of of heaven that you'll give me, or any any part of your kingdom that I can be a part of. I would sweep the floors in your in in your kingdom. Yeah, I just want to be a, a part of it. This flies in the face of that and says you can be God, <laughs> right? And that's that's what gets me about their their salvation, the the way they view salvation, yeah. right? And the beauty, you know, the beauty about the gospel, our gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is their simplicity in the gospel. And yeah. the think about the Mormons way of salvation. It's so complex. It's so complicated. Let me just read a little bit about, about their salvation. You touched a little bit on this, but they, again, they believe prior to being born that they have a pre-mortal life and that their pre-mortal realm, they, they dwell with God, the little, who's the literal father of everyone. And they develop these talents and knowledge before they become mortal. And then they become mortal. And then in their mortality, they have this preparation period where they have to progress and spend time on earth and they gain this physical body and they practice uh, choosing between good and evil. I mean, there's just so much there. L- let me give you a list of what it takes to be saved in Mormonism. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to be baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So you have to be baptized in their church. You have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the laying on the hands by a person with priesthood authority. Mm. You have to endure the test of their life on earth. You have to follow the teachings of Christ and his apostles. You have to keep God's commandments. You have to repent of your sins. You have to undo any wrongdoings that you commit, and you have to treat other people in the way that you would want to be treated. I mean, there's just so much work to be done, but we know in the, in the true gospel, all the work has been done by Christ. Yeah. And in each one of those points, man, like there's so much. So I I have to go right every wrong that's ever that that I've ever wronged against somebody else. 
but how do I right the wrongs if somebody's already passed away right. or they don't have any next of kin or a wife or a, or a son or child? How can I right these wrongs that I have wronged? It's impossible. Yeah, it's right, an impossibility. Right. So Galatians 2.16, yet, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Amen. So again, that's the stark difference between our gospel and their gospel. Our Amen. gospel is in faith in Jesus Christ, and he has done all the work. And we, we trust in him and we believe and receive through faith. Pastor Chris, I just want to add to what you're saying, because you got me hyped up on this, man. You got me hyped up a little <laughs> bit on this. Last night, we were out evangelizing, and I talked to a guy who told me, uh, and I've heard it before. I've heard it a million times, but I, I want to tell the, the SolarCast audience this. Whenever I hear somebody say, as long as I ask for forgiveness every day, hmm. right? And people don't see that. They, 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 they might even say that's, that's honorable to ask for forgiveness, right? It's honorable to ask for it every day. But here's the problem. You have just made asking for forgiveness, a works-based religion, mm. right? You have just made that a work of yours that is somehow going to get you into heaven, right? And so that when I pointed it out to the guy that I was talking to last night, he looked at, what, what do you mean? I said, here's, here's the problem. You trust more in your asking for forgiveness than in the one who gives forgiveness, mm. right? You trust more in you asking mm. than in Jesus himself, and see, this is the same thing that you're, as you read that list off, I, I say it's hard to live a life of repentance. To Pastor Henry's point, how can I repent for every sin that I've ever done? I can't remember them all. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> how can I do that? But God is gracious. God is merciful. Jesus has already done this for us. And so I get hyped up to, to even think the regulations that man would put on the Mormons, you know, the people that believe in the church, church of Jesus Christ, to that extent, that list that you just gave us, man, I couldn't even keep one of those. My goodness, is it is it crazy to think that that long of a list is something that they had they have to adhere to to make it in, and it's it's crazy. Thank you, God, and, that you've and, given us such a simple gospel. And here's the thing, <laughs> again, going back to the complexity of it all, even if you don't keep this list, more than likely you're not going to hell. You're just not going to enter into that perfect heaven. You're just gonna not going to be into the the highest stratosphere of the of, of heaven. You're you're yeah. going to be into one of the lower heavens, and that's where we're going to go next. But you know, <laughs> there is this concept in uh, Mormonism uh, that that teaches some sort some sort or some form of uh, universalism is that everyone will be saved. And and yeah. I'm going to get and I'm going to read from the uh, Doctrine of Covenants. This is from Doctrine of Covenants seventy six. I'm going to I'm going to read starting on verse forty three. Actually, let me let me start at forty two. That through him. All might be saved, whom the Father had put into his power and made by him, who glorifies the Father and saves all the works of his hands, except those sons of perdition who deny the Son after the Father has revealed him. Mm. Wherefore, he saves all except them. They shall go away into everlasting punishment, which is endless punishment, which is eternal punishment, to reign with the devil and his angels in eternity, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. So what that is saying is that there's only a few that are going to go to hell. Uh, their version of hell, I guess. And it's only those who who willfully reject after Christ kind of makes this plea, or I'm sorry, after God makes this plea and reveals to them. It's almost like God is begging them and they still reject. But most people, even those who don't even keep that list, they don't wind up in hell. They wind up just in a kind of a lower form of heaven. And that's where we'll go next because their eschatology is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To that point, Pastor Chris, I read this and, and this, this kind of resonates to what you're saying. That probationary period between death 
and the resurrection of the bodies is the taste of hell that gets people to repent in hell so that they can make it to the third and the the bottom rung of the of heaven so your universal form of 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 I mean, the, the the whole the form of universalism is what you're saying right that's how it exists if anybody gets a little taste of hell of course they'll repent right and come to the, to the, to the bottom <laughs> rung of heaven right and so it's like okay again i would say this one thing people would be attracted to something like that because it gives them an out yeah it gives them a way to say okay i'll, I'll take that route that sounds better to me but it isn't the truth, and that's that's my point. Hmm. So we can go from there. Yeah, let's talk about this uh, this three kingdoms of glory that that they they talk about. So they believe that after death, you know, the spirit leaves the body and it goes uh, to the spirit world, waits for resurrection, and then uh, those who uh, did not embrace the gospel, like we said, are separated uh, from those who who live this this works based life. Uh, these these uh, spirit individuals who who uh, who kind of obeyed, I guess. Uh, and their plan of salvation teaches that heaven is divided into three separate kingdoms of glory, the celestial, the terrestrial, and the telestial. So these kingdoms are are kind of separated. And then there's just that outer darkness that only those select few, those sons of perdition will go to. So so what do you, what do you got on that, Jimmy? So the celestial, again, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning um, or throughout the podcast, is that the celestial is that top if you are if you are obedient to all that that big list that Chris just gave, it's possible for you to make it to that heaven, and that is where Jesus and and uh, and Elohim reside. You get to be with them. So now I'm going to stop right there and say, Revelation teaches us something different, mm-hmm. right? That right. when the new heaven and the new earth come down, God will be with His people, and we will be with Him. Amen. Now, I, I don't have to make it through the top rung of heaven. See, there's still a hierarchy that, that is going on in the Mormon religion, uh, and that is that celestial kingdom at the very top is where you might even get the chance to progress to being God yourself of your own planet, ruler of your own thing, hmm. right? Autonomous in your own way, never having to submit to a different God, right? <laughs> it's crazy to think, but that's the celestial, and the, the, the terrestrial is, is for those that, that had some moralists, they were good people, they just didn't ever get into the Mormon religion, so they're kind of halfway there. They're kind of like the, the warm, you know, not hot, not cold, but kind of in the middle. The lukewarm guys, yeah. The, the lukewarm guys, they're going to be in the, in the terrestrial. <laughs> the celestial are the wicked people that rejected all of it, yeah. right? But, you know, again, like I said, they repent in hell. They make it to the celestial. They're still in heaven. It's just not It's just right. not in the celestial where they're. So this, <laughs> a three-tiered heaven is what you have. And uh, as I read through it, it's, I, we don't have enough time to flesh all of that out. But, but that's a basic thing on, on what they believe. Again, they do believe there's a hell, but it's very going to be very lightly populated uh, with yeah. just the most hardened people that just wouldn't even and- repent. And the taste of hell. I don't want to get e- eerie here, but but this is the reason why I, I think it's it's wise and prudent not to reject sort of devilish, satanic, supernatural influence. Isn't it crazy that we're talking about this this religion, but we've gotten to the eschatological piece, right? And at the end of the day, when you think about it, according to scripture, there's no argument that a Mormon could say where Satan isn't right. Because in their eschatology, Satan is right. You can be like gods if you do this thing. Adam and Eve, 
if if you take it upon yourself to define morals, to define your life, to take power, to 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 sort of gain knowledge and do all these works, if you take it upon yourself to do this, you can be like God. So in their religion, Satan is right. I mean, just think about that, right? Right. right. Like, like Satan is correct from scripture that they say they hold to, but man, that that's 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 scary. That that's <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, he was a spirit baby too there. <laughs> I mean, come on now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I mean Again, you see a stark contrast between the gospel that we preach and the gospel that they preach. You know, we believe in Christ alone, sola fide, sola gracia, you know, uh, solus Christus. It is, it is uh, faith alone, Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So, I mean, there's a, there's a stark difference there. One thing I do want to touch on, too, guys, I don't know if you got anything before we wrap up, but um, there's also a heavy emphasis on their Mormon temple. You know, they... they, they uh, they hold uh, the Mormon temple to be a sacred place. It's where it's the point of contact between them and God. So it's another uh, place uh, we differ. We know that, that the Holy spirit dwells in, in, in believers, the Holy spirit dwells with us. I mean, yeah, we have a, a place where we go to worship with the, with the saints and we, we commune with God. Yes. But we, we don't believe that God is reserved only for that temple. We believe that, that God is, is, is spirit. He's everywhere. We worship, we worship him in spirit and truth. He is, he is a spirit that, that is in, in us. We, we walk in, the spirit we are in christ christ is in us so um you know that's another stark difference is that they believe that god is kind of localized he's there in this temple and this temple is is said to be so holy that if you're not a mormon you can't even go in there you know yeah. you can't even uh, you can't even uh, reach the temple so it's only those who've had you know special ceremonies i mean that's where you have your ceilings and that's where you have your ordinations and, and all that stuff so yeah that's it's another stark difference between us and them you know um that's it's strange that you say that because you're talking about the temple, but there's a place called the Mormon Tabernacle, and they let they let somebody into the Mormon Tabernacle that wasn't a Mormon to to preach there, and his name was Robbie Zacharias. Oh, that's right. I remember you, that. You yeah. remember that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it was strange, but he got a lot of criticism at that point in time because he didn't preach the the true gospel, and right. uh, actually even called them brothers, right? And so this is this is the thing that we <laughs> on SoloCast are going to say. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're brothers. I wouldn't. I couldn't call them. I wouldn't say that they're in the body of Christ. They Definitely have not. Yeah. They have a different God. They have a different Jesus. They have a different way of, of viewing the scriptures, and so uh, they're in error. There, there you go. I mean, huge error. And I wouldn't even um, say that they're. I guess the word for it is cult, right? Uh, although the world might view them as one of the world's mo- major religions because of 16.5 million members, um, it's still, to us, a cult. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it just the, the, the secret way they go about things. Again, going back to this temple, I mean, it's it's that's that's cultish. I mean, having this uh, secrecy, having, uh, you know, this, this space that's only reserved for a select few, you know what I mean? That Christianity is not like that. Christianity is open. I mean, we're called to go uh, into the nations and proclaim the good news. You know, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's Christianity is outward focus. It is a gospel call for all who believe. Here we have uh, some sort of secrecy. And again, uh, stark contrast between what we believe and they, they believe. Any closing thoughts, guys? I just want to encourage everybody that, you know, at the end of the day, this is why scripture is so important. You know, I, I know some people may call us. I, I thought somebody, I think somebody tagged me and called me a Bible thumper one, one time or whatever. <laughs> you fundamentalist, you. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and the problem is, is that 
even big either or like people who are evangelical types keep throwing around that phrase about being a being a staunch fundamentalist and everything well guess what i i will take the a being being a fundamentalist over being in hell in, in any day or following a false doctrine any day so Man. i would i would just add this this last uh question to reach a mormon right to evangelize to a mormon pray approach them with truth and love right approach them with with a with a heart that wants to understand what the, what they've been through right because get this if they've been in mormonism their whole lives they know nothing else yeah right but here's the question that you got to ask. How worthy is worthy enough? How good do you have to be to, to receive the celestial, even the celestial, even the terrestrial, right? At, at, at what point do you, do you start asking yourself, have I done enough? Right? Here's the, here's the point. We, I don't deserve it, right? Again, Romans 5.8, and God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, I don't deserve heaven, mm. and he loved me and gave it to me anyway, right? This is this is the the whole works based uh, religion thing uh, is is what the Mormons believe, and if you're gonna, I I don't want to use the word attack. If you're gonna approach a Mormon friend or more, a person that you care about that that is steeped in Mormonism, approach him with that question: How worthy do you have to be? Have you reached that worthiness? Have you gotten to that place where you're good enough? For the celestial, the terrestrial, the celestial, how good are you, right? Because ultimately, it comes down to that. We aren't. The Bible teaches us different. I'm not worthy of heaven. But in Christ, in him, right, because he's the one that accomplished it all. He's the one that, 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 that went to the cross. He took, he took upon my, my sins upon himself and, and hung on the cross so that I, I might be able to, to be reconciled back to the father it's um it's all him you start to emphasize on yourself at some point you're going to say yeah i don't think i'm worthy enough mm. and so i i, I just want to encourage somebody to if you've got a, a mormon friend this might be a way you can approach them and, and talk to them and, and just talking about the worthiness have you reached that worthiness Amen. have you gotten there because i've got something for you that's going to take that baggage off of you Right at some at some point you got to say this is too heavy and I can't do it, and at that point I've got somebody to introduce you to. His name is Jesus Christ, mm, the amen. true the true Jesus. Amen, amen. Good stuff, guys. I uh, hope you guys out there enjoyed that episode. If you got any questions, anything to add, any uh, pushback, man, we've been receiving some pushback lately. <laughs> but uh, if, if you got anything uh, to add on this, uh, just go ahead and send us a shout. You can go to the website www.thesolacast.com. You can find us on our social media platforms at sola underscore cast is on Twitter, and you guys are at. I'm at Los Jimmy, and I'm at Knox Broadcast, and I'm at C Hernandez two one four. You can also find us on Instagram at the Solarcast. We're on Facebook. Just go to the search bar there, search for the, uh, the Solarcast page, like the page, share the page. Uh, you can also find out uh, more information about, uh, about our church. Uh, we meet every Sunday morning at ten thirty a.m. in Dallas, Texas. I'm sorry, ten a.m. in Dallas, Texas. You can find more information at our website at www.ecclesiachurch.org. Got to mention one shout out before we leave, guys. Uh, shout out to uh, the Women of Hope 
podcast. Uh, That's who we are shouting out to this month on the Bar Network. Uh, if you guys have not heard a uh, a good podcast from some ladies that that really, uh, you know, if you got if you're looking to recommend your wife or some of you ladies out there looking to uh, get recommendations on a good podcast with good solid biblical theology, you know, go check these women out. They they got some good stuff. You know, Jimmy, you got any? Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you got any? Um, you know, websites or anything for the Women's of Hope, Women I, I, of Hope I, podcast? You put me on the spot, bro. I, okay. Well, you know, this is a month of cross-promotion, bro. And you know that they're on the list. We'll put it out on our social media platforms. We already did, actually. We'll, we'll continue to do so. But yeah, y'all go check them out. But anyway, until next time. Let's get to the meat. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Okay. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, rapping graces, full of slackers.